Chapter 4 Stoning Jesus The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. John chapter 10, verse 31. The shining of the sun produces two effects in the world, one exactly the opposite of the other. In one place, it enlivens, beautifies, and strengthens. In the other, it deadens, mars, and decays. It is the same with the gospel of Christ. It is unto some an aroma from life to life, and to others it is an aroma from death to death. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 16. So it was with the coming of Christ into the world. He brought to light both the truest affection and the deepest hatred. People loved darkness rather than light. John 3, verse 19 so Christ's coming into the world could only disturb them. If you go into the woods on a summer's day, and if it is possible, turn over one of the logs that may be near you. You will find underneath hundreds of little insects. The moment the light strikes them, they run in every direction. Darkness is their life. They hate the light. But if you could journey a little farther and lift a stone, which for a little time has been covering the grass or the little flowers, the moment you would lift the obstruction these things would begin to grow. The light is their life. They die in the darkness. Christ's coming into the world provoked the bitterest prejudice and called forth the deepest devotion. Simeon, a devout man, was in the temple when the young child Jesus was brought in, and he took him up in his hands and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are letting your bondservant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Luke 2, verses 29-30 It was just the opposite with Herod. When the king heard about Jesus, he sent the wise men that he might find out through them where he was, and when they did not return, he was exceedingly angry and commanded all the children to be slain who were two years and under, who were in Bethlehem, and in all the coast thereof, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. These are the two extremes. The Gospel of John is the Gospel of love, but in it we find the same great differences. Where can you find such sweetness as is contained in these words? For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. John chapter 3 verse 16 Where is there such tenderness as in this expression Jesus wept John chapter 11 verse 35 Only two words yet the sorrowing world rests on them taking comfort and consolation However where can you find such hatred as expressed in John chapter 8 verse 59 They picked up stones to throw at him and again in the text, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. John chapter 10, verse 31. When you remember whom they were stoning, the Son of Man and the Son of God, the one who was going about doing good, the sin is something awful to think about. This text and the verse that follows is a beautiful illustration of hate and love, of brutality and tenderness. Jesus had just said, I and the Father are one, John chapter 10, verse 30, words that should have made the hearts of the people leap for joy. 
they should have rejoiced that he was one with Jehovah, who had led their forefathers from Egypt to Canaan, who had spoken the worlds into existence, who had held the winds in his fists, and in whose hands the seas flowed to and fro. You would have thought that at these expressions of the Master every knee would have been bowed in loving devotion, but it was not so. The Jews picked up stones again with which to stone him, and he gave them one of the tenderest answers his heart could dictate. I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? John chapter 10, verse 32. The text is an illustration of the fact that those who were models in fairness of their treatment of people are most unfair in their treatment of Jesus Christ. If you are familiar with the method of stoning offenders in the early days, you will be able to see how true this was of the Jews. The crier marched before the man who was to die, proclaiming the man's sins and the name of the witnesses who appeared against him. This was for the humane purpose of enabling anyone who was acquainted with the circumstances in the case to go forward and speak for him, and the prisoner was held until the new evidence was given. But the Jews were not so considerate of Jesus. When he said, I and the Father are one, they immediately began to stone him. All that is asked by our religion, for Christ and for the Bible, is just a fair consideration of their claims. We claim that the Bible is the Word of God, not just because it is old, but because it is both old and true. It seems as if it were written for us as individuals. It is my present answer to my present need. We simply present the book as evidence. Suppose you try to find its equal. Suppose you try to produce its simplest parable. Failure would be the result. Our religion is the same. We only ask for it a fair consideration. It is just the same for Christ. In England not long ago, a woman was lecturing against the Christian religion, and after she was finished, one of the mill workers said, I would like to ask the lecturer this one question. Thirty years ago I was the curse of this town and everybody in it. I tried to do better and failed. Those promoting abstinence from alcohol got hold of me and I signed the pledge and broke it. The police took me and sent me to prison, and the wardens tried to make me better, but I began to drink as soon as I left my cell. When all had failed, I took Christ as my Savior, and He made a new man of me. I am a member of the church, a class leader, and superintendent of the Sunday school. If Christ is a myth and the Christian religion is untrue, how could I be so helped by them? People are still stoning Jesus Christ. Perhaps you shudder at the conduct of the Jews and cry for shame. However, there is a worse way to stone him than that. People can hurt you far more than by striking you in the face or beating you with stripes. Do you think that Christ's worst suffering was when they threw stones at him, or scourged him, or put nails through his hands? I am sure it was not. But his worst suffering was when he came to his own and his own people did not accept him. John chapter 1 verse 11. When they called him this man. Matthew chapter 12 verse 24. When he was in Gethsemane in agony. When he was on the cross and felt so forsaken that his heart broke. If he were here today in the flesh as he is in the spirit, 
I am sure there are ways we could hurt him more than by picking up stones and throwing them in his blessed face until his eyes were blinded by the blood drops falling down. Inconsistency Have you ever noticed the sadness that pulsed in the words of our Savior at the Last Supper when he said, One of you will betray me, Matthew chapter 26, verse 21. Or when he was walking with them toward the garden and said, You will all fall away because of me this night, Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. Or when he was in the garden and we hear him saying, You men could not keep watch with me for one hour, Matthew chapter 26, verse 40. The stone that hurts Christ most is not the one that is thrown by the unbelieving world, for he expects that. The stone that hurts him the most is the one that is thrown by his own people. There is only one stone that they can throw at him, and that is the one of inconsistency, by talking one way and living another, by confessing him with their lips, but denying him in their walk. Every step you ever took in the wrong direction was a stone thrown at Christ. I heard about a young lady who was engaged in the greatest amount of pleasure and amusement, nearly forgetful of her loyalty to Christ. One day she was asked by her companions to go to a certain place, but she refused, on the ground that it was Communion Sunday in the church. In amazement her friends asked her, Do you go to church? If the world does not know that we follow Jesus, if our friends do not see it, we are taking up stones with which to stone him. Hatred On the part of those who are not his followers, with some it is absolute hatred. Certainly this was the case with the Jews. You read in the text that they picked up stones again. The first time we read of them stoning Christ is in the eighth chapter of John, and it is supposed that they were near a place where stones abounded so it was very easy to pick them up. The second time they were near Solomon's porch. It is a question if there were any stones to be found there, so it is thought that they carried them all the way, perhaps only dropping them as they listened to his speech, by which they were so enraged that they bent down and picked them up and threw them at him. Are you throwing these stones at Christ? Remember that he said, The one who was not with me, is against me. Matthew chapter 12 verse 30. Indifference. With many people, it is the stone of indifference. It was one of the first stones thrown at him in the world. It began at the manger, continued at the cross, and is still being thrown. With curling lips and brazen contempt, people said, "Is this not the carpenter's son?" Matthew chapter 13 verse 55. When he was on the cross, they said in derision, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Matthew chapter 27, verse 42. It is now the ninth hour, and darkness has covered the place. Listen, his lips are moving. Eli, Eli, Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. Surely this will move them. But someone says, This man is calling for Elijah. Let us see if Elijah comes to save him. Matthew chapter 27, verses 47 and 49. This is all like the gathering of a storm to me. First, the cloud was the size of a man's hand, that is, at Bethlehem. The cloud is larger at Egypt, heavier at Nazareth, and darker in Jerusalem. 
Then he comes up to the Mount of Olives, and the cloud seems to break as he cries out, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. Have you been indifferent to Christ? Anything is better than that. It is better to publicly oppose him than to be a believer in name, but to deny him by your life. How can you be indifferent to him? A man working on one of the railroads in the state of Indiana discovered one morning that the bridge had fallen, and he remembered that the train was due. He started down the track to meet the train. He saw it coming, and he raised his hands and pointed to the bridge. However, the train kept coming, having no time to lose. The man threw himself across the track, and the engineer, thinking him a madman, stopped the train. The man arose and told his story, and saved the lives of hundreds. Christ did this for you. He purchased your redemption by giving himself, whether you have accepted this salvation or not. Will you stone him for that? Unbelief. When he said, I and the Father are one, John chapter 10, verse 30, they threw another stone at him. That was unbelief. Indifference was hard to bear, and hatred cut like a knife, but unbelief was the crowning sin of the Jews. Many are hurling it at him today. He has promised to save us if we only believe, and we need only to trust him to be saved. A little girl in Glasgow, who had just found peace, was heard counseling one of her playmates in this way. I say, lassie, do as I did. Grip a promise and hold on to it, and you will be saved. There is salvation in the child's words. Now read the verse that immediately follows the text. I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? John chapter 10 verse 32. It is supposed that some of the Jews had actually struck him with a stone, and this drew forth from him words tender enough and heart-rending enough to turn aside the hatred of one who had a heart of stone. Do not stone him. Because of what he was, they called him the bright morning star. Revelation chapter 22 verse 16. The fairest of all the children of men, the most outstanding among ten thousand. Song of Solomon chapter 5 verse 10. Oh, that we might have our eyes open to behold him. Fifty years ago, there was a war in India with England. On one occasion, several English officers were taken prisoners. Among them was a man named Baird. One of the Indian officers brought chains to put on them all. Baird had been sorely wounded and was suffering from his weakness. A gray-haired officer said, Certainly you will not put chains on that man, will you? The answer was, I have just as many chains as prisoners, and they must all be worn. Then the old hero said, Put two pairs on me. Baird lived to gain his freedom, but the other man went down to his death doubly chained. But what if he had worn the chains of all in the prison? And what if he had voluntarily left a palace to wear chains, to suffer the beatings and endure the agony? That would be a poor illustration of all that Christ has done for you and for me. Will you stone him for that? Do not stone him because of what he is today. In 1517 there was a great riot in London. Houses were looted, 
and a general insurrection reigned. Guns in the tower were thundering against the insurgents, and armed bands were assailing them on every side. Three hundred people were arrested, tried, and hanged. Five hundred others were cast into prison and were to be tried before the king, Henry VIII. As he sat in state on the throne, the door opened, and in they came, every man with a rope around his neck. Before sentence could be passed on them, three queens entered, Catherine of Aragon, wife of the king, Margaret of Scotland, sister of the king, and Mary of France. They approached the throne, knelt at the feet of his majesty, and there remained pleading until the king forgave the five hundred trembling men. But there is a better intercession than that going on for you and for me at this moment. Will you stone him for that? Looking out from the windows of heaven, the Son of God beheld people heavily burdened, bearing the weight of their sins, groping about in their blindness, crying, Peace, peace, and there was no peace. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14. And he said, I will go down and become bone of their bone and flesh of their flesh. I will open their eyes and bear their burdens. I will forgive their sins and give them peace. Between man and the Father's house was a great gulf, wider than the distance from east to west, deeper than the distance from north to south. But Christ bridged the gulf when he came. He cast his cross across the chasm, and on the other side I see him standing with his arms outspread, his attitude one of pleading. Listen, you will hear him saying, Come unto me, come unto me, whosoever will, let him come. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. Will you stone him for that?